Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. If you have your Bibles, please grab them and turn with me to the book of James chapter 5. We are going to be wrapping up the book of James tonight. And it's been a great series. Have you guys enjoyed studying through the book of James, those of you guys who have journeyed with us? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. And tonight is the conclusion. And uh, excited about that. So if you guys uh, wouldn't mind, as you're turning to James 5, uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. So, uh, dear God, thank you that we are in this room right now and that we get to study your word. God, I'm thankful for all of the college students and young adults that are here right now. And I believe in this generation, I believe that you love them and that you have an incredible plan for each one of their lives. And God, I believe that tonight as we do study the Bible and study what James has to inform us about, that it is gonna speak to us. So I ask that you would help us and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, I'm just going to dive right into reading, if that's okay. Um, James 5 is where we're going to be, and uh, you can look at verse 13 with me. Now, uh, just a recap, James, uh, what we have discovered as we've studied through this book is that James uh, is just dishing out a ton of practical wisdom to us, and James gives us practical wisdom on so many different areas of our lives, whether it's the circumstances we face, whether it's how we treat each other, whether it's how we treat those who are less fortunate than us. And so James has just been dishing out a ton of wisdom, and James has one last subject that he's going to set his sights on before he wraps up the book, and that is the subject of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer, if you, if you don't know, prayer is pretty important for those who are Christians, uh, maybe you're here and you're a Christian and uh, you realize prayer is important. And you're like, man, I would love to learn more about prayer. Um, maybe you're here and you're, you're uh, not a Christian. Maybe you're just someone who is interested in spiritual things. And I would guess even if you are uh, not a follower of Jesus or if you're just kind of exploring, you know and you uh, realize that, that just prayer is probably, like I, most people aren't like against prayer. Most people are like, even if, even if they're not a Christian, like, you know what? I pray from time to time. I try to throw up some positive vibes to the, the big guy upstairs or whoever's listening upstairs. And so a lot of people are, are interested in prayer, and James has some opinions on prayer, and so that's what we're going to look at. Verse 13 of James chapter 5 says this. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Have you ever been in trouble before? Are you in trouble now? Well, if you are, let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Well, if you thought they, he was gonna say let them pray, he's not. He's gonna say let them call the elders of the church and then they'll pray. To pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. So this first section, James is pretty much telling us, uh, no matter what you're going through, 
Uh, the answer needs to be prayer. Um, when I was growing up, uh, we had this little joke, uh, and I grew up, you know, going to church on Sundays, and, you know, you grow up in kids' church, and kind of the joke is, uh, the answer's always Jesus, right? And so, if you guys remember that? Has anyone who grew up like that? Yeah, like, if, if, you're, if you're a kid, and, and you're in ch- kids' church, like, if you throw out the word Jesus, your teacher's probably going to be like, good job, you're right. And it's kind of like this tonight, like if, if you're wondering, like, man, what, like what's James going to be talking about? What's James's solution? Like, I got a problem. James is going to be like, you know what? You should just pray. Like, that's the solution. The answer is always prayer, at least tonight in this section. Now, James is going to talk one more thing about prayer. And uh, this is really interesting. And this is really where we're going to be camping out for most of the night. He says this. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And he says this, Elijah, everybody say Elijah. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So we're gonna really talk about that last collection of verses because James is going to highlight this character for us named Elijah. And he makes a really interesting and pretty much what I would say is stunning observation. He says, Elijah is a person, a man, just like us. Now, I want to introduce you for a minute to a man named Elijah. Um, If you are not familiar with the story, that's okay. But Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. And he prophesied during a time when the nation of Israel was in a great amount of turmoil. Uh, the nation of Israel was being led by a king named Ahab, and his wife was named, anybody know? Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel, horrible woman. Uh, Ahab, horrible guy. And in fact, uh, they were known as uh, some of the worst kings in all of Israel. Uh, Just to give you a picture of how bad Ahab and Jezebel were, one day Ahab comes home and um, Ahab is just really sad. And Jezebel's like, babe, why are you so sad? And he's like, well, um, I know I'm rich. I know I have tons of land, but I saw a vineyard that I really wanted. And I asked the guy who owned the vineyard, can I have your vineyard? And the guy was like, nah you can't have my vineyard, and now I'm sad. Like, that's what, when you're a king, that's what you get sad about. You're like, I wanted something, and they wouldn't give it to me. And Jezebel's like, no worries, I got you. And Jezebel, she didn't go out and, like, buy him another vineyard. Um, She decided, hey, uh, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna get this vineyard for him. So she held a feast, and she invited the owner of the vineyard. If you ever get invited to anything by a woman named Jezebel, just call in sick, you know, move. Uh, so this guy, his name's Naboth, he, he goes to the, to, the, to the party. He's like, sweet, I'm hanging out with the king and the queen. And the queen just picked two dudes, and she was like, hey, lie about Naboth and tell him uh, that, uh, that, 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 the, that Naboth said something bad about the king. And so they did, and they were like, all right, let's kill Naboth. So they killed Naboth, and then Jezebel was like, hey, babe, I got you a vineyard. You could be happy. And Ahab was just like, sweet, I got a vineyard. Like, he was pumped. Like, that's just one story of how terrible Ahab and Jezebel were. And so Elijah, he was a prophet during this time. And really his goal was pretty much to prophesy and to talk about how horrible Ahab and Jezebel were. 
That was like his main job. And one of the ways that he did it was one day, and we're really introduced to this guy because one day he just shows up and he's like, hey, Ahab, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna have a famine. And Ahab's like, no, my vineyard, you know, I need, I need rain for that. And, but, but Ahab's like, tough, you're gonna, you're gonna have a famine. So he prays and for three years, um, there is no rain. During that time, Ahab, in case you're like, man, is, how's Ahab, or sorry, Elijah, you're like, how's Elijah gonna eat? It's a famine. Don't worry, Elijah lived next to a brook and he was fed by ravens. Uh, he was like, hey, uh, I'm just gonna chill here. And, and ravens literally brought food to him. And then one day the ravens stopped bringing food to him, which I, I, that confuses me about the story because it's like God like allowed the ravens to bring food, but one day he's like, the ravens are like, ah, we're done. And so uh, he goes and he uh, lives with this widow and her son and he provides for them and it's a really fascinating story. And then there's another really fascinating story where Ahab, uh, and, or, excuse me, Elijah has this epic showdown with these false prophets and he calls down fire from heaven and he kills all the false prophets. I mean, it is like, just Elijah's a wild guy. And Elijah was known uh, to the nation of Israel, in case you were fascinated, like the nation of Israel was fascinated with Elijah. Elijah was kind of one of the heroes of the prophets. He was like a prophet of prophets. If you wanted to just describe, hey, uh, awesome prophet, you could just be like, Elijah. And yeah, like Elijah, he's the best prophet. Now James says something interesting, and we're circling back here. And James, remember what he said? He said, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a human being just like us. So what I would say is, um, I don't think he was a human being just like us. That's, that's my opinion. Like if I was writing it, I would be like, Elijah's better than all of us. You know, like you're not the same. You're not as good. I'm not as good. Elijah's way more awesome. But James wants to just be like, hey, Elijah actually the same. He's the same as us. Like I, I feel like James saying Elijah was a man just like us is kind of like me being like, Messi is a soccer player, you know, just like you. <laughs> Le- LeBron James is a basketball player just like you are. Taylor Swift, she is an entertainer and a singer and a businesswoman just like you. Like we are, we are equal. And it, to, to hear that, you're like, we're not this, we're not, I don't even know if I'm the same species as Taylor Swift. I really don't. I think she's like a higher version of human than I am. But, but he's saying Elijah is the same as us. And he's saying we can actually learn something about prayer from Elijah. So if you want to pray, if you want to pray powerful prayers, you can learn from Elijah. And what we're going to do is we're going to study uh, one specific story from Elijah tonight. And, and I, I was thinking about it like this, you know, um, when, if we watch a Marvel movie, um, we are aware that the, the goal of the creators of the Marvel movie, um, they're trying to make the CGI look real, right? They're trying to be like, man, that really does look like they just went out and filmed Spider-Man flying around or filmed the Hulk flying around. But, but we know, like we, we understand as we're watching that movie that they didn't actually go out and like capture actual Spider-Man. Like I, we know this, right? We know that it's CGI. We know that it's effects. And I think sometimes when we read the Bible, um, we think like that's kind of what it is. It's like CGI. It's this like really cool story that God kind of invented and we should kind of learn some interesting things about it. Like none of us would be like, wow, I'm watching Spider-Man. My conclusion is um, I should try to climb up the building. 
But, but what we got to realize is that this story, God actually put this story in the Bible because Elijah is a man just like us, but he prayed. So it actually literally is designed to be a story that you read and you should think, I should do that. Like, I should try that. This is not Hulk where it's like, it's probably not going to happen in real life. I'm probably not going to turn green. But, but this is actually a story that we should say, I should learn from this how to pray and that God wants to move in my life and in our community through this kind of prayer. And so here we go. First Kings 18. And by the way, it's on the screen. This is a story of Elijah praying, and it says this. Elijah said to Ahab, remember, horrible king, go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. Now, when Elijah said there's a sound of rushing rain, remember, three years ago, he had prayed, and it had stopped raining. So there is a famine. There is a drought. Not a person has seen a drop of rain for three years. And it says this, and Elijah bowed himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up, look towards the sea. And his servant went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he, Elijah, said, go and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, that was where his castle was, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So we're going to talk about prayer tonight, and I want to talk about four things when we talk about prayer. First, I want to talk about place of prayer. Secondly, posture of prayer. Third, persistence in prayer. And fourth, paradox of prayer. So first, we are going to talk about the place of prayer. The place of prayer. And in our scripture that we just read from 1 Kings, I'm going to read it again. It says this, Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink. For there is a sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And what we see in this story, and remember, what we're learning here is that James is writing and he's saying, Elijah is just like us, but he prayed and powerful things happened. So we're designed to look at this and we're designed to say, man, what can I learn from Elijah about praying? and praying and seeing God move through my prayers. And the first thing is that we see that Elijah had a place of prayer. You see, Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah went to pray. And so the author is contrasting these two realities. And for you and for me, what we have to understand is that if we want to see God move in our lives, we need to have a place for prayer in our lives. Notice that there is kind of a removal by Elijah, and there is a priority by Elijah. And for you and for me, it's the same thing. If we want to see God move, prayer cannot just be an afterthought. If we want to see God move, prayer cannot just be something that we do when kind of everything else doesn't work. Or 
when we get bored or when we feel like, oh yeah, like I kind of forgot about that. Prayer has to have a place in our life. For a Christian, that there is actually has to be a moment where we prioritize prayer and where we say prayer is important to me. Prayer has to have a place on our calendar, on our daily agenda, where we are setting aside time to pray. Now, that doesn't mean that every once in a while, or that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have an attitude of prayer. I, I do believe that there should just be conversations and prayer that we're having day by day, moment by moment with God. You're driving and you're praying. You're about to step into a meeting and you're worried about the meeting. And so you throw up a quick prayer, God, help me in this moment. You're about to have a conversation with someone that you know is gonna be a difficult conversation or maybe you're gonna tell somebody about Jesus. You throw up that prayer, God, I need that prayer. There's times when literally um, we, we can't set aside some time to pray, right? Like if your boss walks in and he's like, hey, we gotta talk. You can't be like, can I just carve out 30 minutes here to go to my prayer closet? Like you're just gonna have to go in there. But you can throw up a quick prayer. But what I want you to know is that we also must have a place, that prayer must occupy a place in our lives in order for it to be a priority. Uh, Jesus, he said it like this. He said, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So what Jesus is encouraging us is that there would actually be a physical location in our home or a physical location in our apartment that that we would actually have a place that we would go to pray, that we would have a, a, a moment during our schedule that is a priority. Now, when we're talking about prayer, I want you to know something. Um, a lot of people are, are overwhelmed by prayer because they are worried that they're gonna do it wrong. They feel like, man, I, I'm not good enough at praying. I, I'm not somebody that, that's, a, that's a, a godly prayer. I'm not, I'm not an eloquent person. And what I do want you to know is that it's okay that you don't have the most eloquent words when you pray. It's okay if you just express your honesty to God when you pray. Uh, my son, Isaiah, who is three, um, Katie and I, we pray with him every night before bed. And he has the same prayer that he's been praying for a whole year now since he started praying. We all pray with him. And then he uh, said, I want to pray he, one night. And, and he's every night since then, he's wanted to pray. And his prayer is he, he, he closes his eyes and he says, dear God, he says God like that. And then he says, dear God, thank you for our food. Amen. And thank you for the plagara, amen. I, I don't actually know what a plagara is. I think it's playground, but he just, he doesn't say that any other time. But during prayer, he like invents another word. It's just like, thank you for the plagara. And then he says, I hope I will pray, amen. That's his prayer. And he said, the, he's got the exact same prayer. So it's okay if you don't have the most eloquent words when you pray, but it is important for us to have a place for prayer in our lives. Does prayer have a place in your life? That's the first thing, the place of prayer. Secondly, I wanna talk about the posture of prayer, the posture of prayer. Notice that it says in 1 Kings 18 that Elijah 
bowed himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees. Now, once again, there is many different ways that you can pray. You don't have to bow in order to pray. You don't have to kneel in order to pray. And uh, there's definitely different ways to do it. One of the ways that I pray that I find helps me the most is to walk and to do a prayer walk because I find that as I'm moving, my mind is active. But what we see is that Elijah, when he kneels, he kneels in order to put himself in a posture of reverence before God. And there are times when it is good to kneel when you pray because kneeling is actually a position of surrender. It's a position of humility. Kneeling is uncomfortable. If, if you lay down in your nice, comfortable uh, Casper mattress to pray, probably your prayer is going to end up in a nap. And I feel like most of us have experienced that before. Like, I'm just going to pray right before bed, and I'm laying down, and I'm listening to my white noise machine. And it's like, man, I prayed for two minutes, and then I went off to sleep. Very hard to fall asleep when you're kneeling on a hard ground praying. But because you're putting yourself in a position to say, God, I actually just want to focus on this. this. This pain in my knees is helping my mind focus. But, but the reason Elijah kneeled is because Elijah what was, was reverencing God. Elijah was saying, God, you are great and you are awesome. And I want us to know that the posture of prayer is this. Prayer is not about me. Prayer is about God. You know, some people, when they pray, they make it about themselves. God, this is about my request. This is about what I want. This is about my priorities. And the reason we have a weak prayer life sometimes is because our prayer is about us. But prayer is actually starts with a posture of it being about God. It's God who is glorious. It is God who is worthy. It's God who is all-powerful. He is on the throne, and we pray to him. This is how Jesus said that we should start our prayers in Matthew. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so can I challenge you? We should have a place of prayer in our life where prayer is a priority in our schedule. It's even a priority in our physical space, but we should also have a posture of prayer. We are not praying to ourselves. We, we are not praying for ourselves. We are praying to a holy God and to a loving God who is our Father. And so when we pray, we are praying with reverence and awe to him. It's a posture of prayer. The third way that we pray, and the third thing that I want to talk about in prayer is this. Persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. I'm going to read once again from 1 Kings. Elijah said to his servant, Go now and look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And then Elijah said, Go again, seven times. So this same thing happened seven times that Elijah is praying for rain and he sends his servant and his servant is on the top of a mountain and his servant walks to the edge of the mountain and the mountain was overlooking the Mediterranean Sea on Mount Carmel and he sees nothing, blue skies. And he comes back, he's like, there's nothing. And he goes again, blue skies. Elijah keeps playing, praying, goes again, blue skies, blue skies, blue skies, blue skies. But every time the servant comes back, Elijah prays again. 
we have to have persistence in our prayers. And what I want us to understand is that I think sometimes we live in a, a culture that we are very used to getting things immediately. And we live in a culture where it's very easy for us to become ADD and for us to move past the things that we're praying for. If I'm praying and my friend doesn't get saved next week, I'm done praying. God must not want to answer that prayer. If I'm praying for, for a, a need I have in my life or if I'm praying for something to happen at the church and it doesn't happen, uh, God must not listen to me. But, but there is a priority in our prayers about persistence. There are going to be things that you pray and just God answers the prayer. And that's one of the coolest things when that happens. Has anyone had that happen before? You've prayed and you just saw God answer a prayer? Man, that's the coolest thing ever. I love it. It's awesome. Um, I, 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 sometimes when uh, my, my kids and I, when we go on a nature walk, I ask Isaiah, I said, what do you want to see on this nature walk? And he'll say what he wants to see. And I'm like, well, let's pray. One time we wanted to see a manatee. And I was like, let's pray. We prayed. We said, God, can we see a manatee on this nature walk? We saw like six manatees on the nature walk. It was awesome. It was amazing. And so it's okay to just pray. And sometimes God just answers your prayer right off the jump. But there are prayers that you're going to have to pray for a long time. There are people that I've been praying for that I want to come to see the Lord, meet Jesus, and I've been praying for two, three, four, five, six years for those people. Persistence in prayer. Jesus, he one time told a story, and it was a story of a, a, a woman who was a widow. And this widow uh, was getting oppressed. She was experiencing horrible oppression and there was great injustice in her life. And so she went to a judge, but the judge was not a just judge. He was a corrupt judge. And she went to the judge, she pleaded her case, and the judge says, don't care. Um, not interested in whatever you have going on. Got a lot of other stuff going on. Um, he had the same vibe as Ahab in the vineyard, I guess. And, and so the judge said, I don't care. And so the, the woman, um, she went back to him. And, and she pleaded her case again, and he said, I don't care. And then she went back to him again. And Jesus says, she kept going back to him over and over and over and over and over again and brought her case. And Jesus, he says this about this parable. She, he says, eventually, this judge gives her what she wants, not because he's just, but just because of her persistence. He wants to get her off his back. He's like, I am tired of this woman showing up at my courtroom every single day, I'm just going to give her what she wants. Now, here's what's crazy about this story. Jesus told the story, and this is really weird, but he actually said, I want you to think about God like that judge. And he said, I'm not saying God's unjust, but I'm saying even the most wicked of earthly judges will give in to persistence. Like even, even somebody who's wretched and awful and terrible, if you show up enough, they'll be like, listen, I'm tired of this. I'll, I'll deal with it. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And he's saying, man, how much more will your heavenly father who loves you and cares about you, how much more will he answer your prayers? Now, how many have noticed that sometimes when uh, Jesus says something, it's like mysterious and it's hard to understand? Does anyone know that? Like sometimes it's like, man, I don't know what Jesus is talking about here. I, I, I'm just trying to figure it out. Uh, sometimes the Bible just explains it. And in this situation, it does, because this is what Luke says about this prayer. He says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
Now listen, I know that some people in here are Bible scholars, some people are not Bible scholars. Why did Jesus tell the story? To show that, we should always, and we should not. We need persistence in our prayer. That, that when, we, when we pray about something, uh, the call is that, that we should continue to pray about that thing, that we should continue to bring it to the Lord. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. So what are we learning? We're learning, first off, that we need a place for prayer in our life, a place for prayer. Secondly, that we ha- need to have a correct posture in our prayer that both in our hearts and with our words, we should be praising God and we should be honoring God and we should be bringing reverence to God. Even when we start praying to say, God, we, we worship you, we are thankful for you, we are grateful for you. But also we need persistence in our prayer. We should keep praying. Elijah had to pray seven times. We gotta keep praying, we gotta keep asking and we gotta keep seeking. The last thing that I want us to understand about prayer is this, that I want us to look at the paradox of prayer. The paradox of prayer. Now, paradox is one of my favorite words. And the reason is because a paradox is something that two things seem contradictory, but they are both true. It's two seemingly contradictory things, but they're both true. I'll tell you a story about a paradox. A few um, years ago, uh, I took one of those like internet Facebook surveys and it was, which body type are you? <laughs> and let me just tell you, you should never ask questions to the internet. You don't want to know the answer to. But I took the survey and I entered all in all my information. And uh, the internet said that I was skinny fat. My body type was skinny fat. And um, that made sense to me. Because on the one hand, like, no one's ever come to me and been like, Brian, we're really concerned. (laughs) But on the other hand, no one's ever come to me and been like, Brian, what's your secret? (laughs) So I'm skinny fat, you know, like, um, it's a paradox, you know, you're you're both skinny and you're fat. It doesn't seem to be true. It doesn't make sense. You just are. Um, So prayer is like that. Prayer is a paradox. And I've put up three statements on the screen that I believe are, uh, are um, all true statements, but they seem to be contradictory. And the first one is this, God is sovereign and accomplishes everything he wants. God is sovereign and accomplishes everything he wants. Secondly, the, the statement is that sometimes our prayers don't get answered. And third is prayer changes things. So, so all three of these statements are true. Like, God does not need us to do anything. God does not need us to pray because God is actually actively working in the world and he is going to accomplish every purpose that he has for humanity and for the people of this world. And he's not like freaking out. If you woke up today and you forgot to pray, God isn't like, all right, well, great, it's it's over now. We're really in trouble. So, so God's sovereign. What he wants to do is going to happen. And, and listen, sometimes our prayers don't get answered, or I really should say in this, sometimes our prayers don't get answered the way that they want. But the third thing is prayer changes things. All three of these things are true. And if you start reading through the Bible, it becomes abundantly clear that prayer does change things. 
In fact, James even said this, that the, a, that the, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective as it's working. And so when you're praying, if you're righteous, and by the way, you're righteous if you're a Christian because Jesus has made you righteous. If you're praying, it is powerful and it's effective. It's working. When you're praying, things are happening. I heard somebody say once, man, if we could just see all that's happening while we're praying, we would never stop praying. And so prayer is a paradox because God is sovereign and he does what he wants, but also our prayers change things. And what we need to realize and what we need to take ownership of is that God has given us this gift of prayer. And one of the things that we have the opportunity to do as Christians is to pray and to say, God, we want to see great things happen. And it's the greatest tool in the entire world to be able to say, God, I actually want to see you move in power in my life. I want to see you move in power in our church. I want to see you move in power in the community. And I have a way to do that. I don't have to sit around and be like, man, hopefully somebody preaches a good message. Hopefully Calvary does a cool event. Hopefully something happens. No, I can do something because I can pray. And prayer works. God moves in power because we pray. And what I want to encourage all of us, one of the things that I love to remind us about is to have a holy imagination and to pray using our holy imagination. To, To ask the question, Man, what is possible in this community? What might God want to do in my, in my school? What might God want to do at my office? What might God want to do with our young adult ministry, with our church? What might God want to do in my family and in my life? And once again, I want to remind us, it's okay to pray prayers that we deem to be selfish. It's okay to pray prayers for what we want. It's okay to pray prayers for what we need. And man, if there's something on your heart that you're desiring, it's okay to pray a prayer about that. Remember what James said, wait, pray about everything. Pray about everything. But, but may I also encourage us <coughs> that we should have a holy imagination to say, God, what do you wanna do in this community? And I wanna pray and see you move in a special way. I wanna pray and see young adults get saved. I wanna pray that my friends are gonna get saved. I wanna pray that lives are transformed. I wanna pray that powerful things are happening. I'm always challenged by this verse in Luke 18, and this is how we'll wrap things up. Jesus, he asks this question. He says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, he's saying, when I come back, I'm interested in something. I'm interested in what kind of prayers are you praying? Like, like that, that's, the, that's the question he's asking here. When I come back, what are people gonna be praying about? Are they gonna be praying about like having slightly nicer stuff? Are they gonna be praying about all their tiny little insignificant details of their lives? And I'm not saying that your life is insignificant. I'm not saying the details are insignificant because God cares. Or are they gonna be praying about the kingdom? advancing, moving forward, lives being changed, lives being transformed. If God showed up today and God answered every prayer that you're currently praying, would anything change in the world? And I want when Jesus shows up, if Jesus decided, you know what, I'm gonna say yes to every prayer, I want powerful things to change. 
because prayer is a powerful thing. God moves in the lives of people through prayer. Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed and powerful things happened. And so let's look at Elijah and let's say that we want to have a place for prayer in our life, that we want to have a posture of prayer, that we want to be persistent in prayer, and we want to believe in the power of prayer. Now, if you're in the book of James, uh, look with me at verse 19, and this is how we'll wrap up the book of James. He says this, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And that's how James wraps up the book. He wraps up talking about people who have walked away from God. And he says, if you come back, you will be saved. And he says, if you know someone who walked away from God and you're part of bringing them back, then you're actually saving them. You're covering the sins that they committed. And so as we close the book of James, here's the challenge. First off, all of us know someone who who used to be part of the Christian faith and they walked away. All of us do. (coughs) So first off, our challenge should be that we should pray for them. And we should ask God that they would get saved. But also our challenge is maybe for some of us, God would lead us to have a conversation with them, to ask them how they're doing and to possibly even share something that would help them come back to faith. And so may God give us opportunities to do that. And even right now, maybe God is placing the face of someone on your heart and in your mind. But also maybe there would be somebody here that would say, you know, I I kind of was that person. I kind of walked away and God is bringing me back. Maybe even right now in this moment, uh, tonight God is bringing you back. Or maybe that's your story that you walked away and you've been back for just a little bit and you're, you're not sure if, if God even is, is happy or back or is welcoming you back. And, and tonight this verse is just here to remind you, man, God's excited that you're back. That, that, that anyone who walks away, we're reminded of the story of the prodigal son, that the father is on the hillside. He's looking for his son to return. He's hoping for his son to return. And when his son returns, he rejoices. He throws a party because he says, my son was lost and now he is found. And so if there's somebody here that would say, man, that was me. I, I'm walking away. I walked away, but I want to come back. I just want you to know that, that God's happier back and we're happier back. Let's pray. And with that, the worship team is going to walk up and lead us in a last song. God, we thank you for the story of Elijah that reminds us to be people of prayer. That reminds us that we need to pray during all circumstances. God, I pray that we would be a people that would have a place for prayer in our life, that would have a posture of praying to you with reverence, that we would be persistent in our prayers, and that we would believe in the power of the prayers that we pray because they're being prayed to you. God, if there's anyone here that has walked away from you and now they are walking back, I pray that tonight that they would feel welcome, that they would know that you love them, that they would know that you have set up even this moment right here to embrace them and welcome them back. 
And I pray that even as we finish out this service, that, that they would just be encouraged, that your spirit would be moving in their lives. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.